when you're being interviewed, uh, people want to hear that you have some kind of hobby or activity that you do on the side. And yet, when you're actually working, people don't want to hear about you spending a lot of time on your hobbies when you should be at work. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back for Medical Dads. Back for another episode of Medical Dads. What are we talking about this week, Dave? We're talking about side gigs. And if people out there are wondering why our season four of Medical Dads is progressing in such fits and starts, <laughs> it's because of side gigs. All right. We are still alive. We are still wanting to produce episodes, but it's not that easy to do when one of us is tied down with a side gig. Yes, it's true. You know, uh, I mean, this is my main job, obviously, reporting this, recording this podcast, but I got this side gig <laughs> thing going on at Chio, and it, it is cutting into <laughs> my main job here. It is. It is. It, to the point that we are losing us, our sense of priorities, That's Dr. Right. Harmon. We're losing our sense of priorities. No, we're kidding. But we are talking about side gigs today. And for people who don't know, Dr. Harmon has been working as a virtual doctor. He's virtually been a doctor That's for the last year or two. <laughs> Whereas before, I don't know what he was doing, but he's virtually been being a doctor for a couple of years on top of his regular job as a doctor, I yeah, guess. I mean, since I graduated, graduated medical school, I've, I've been virtually a doctor. I mean, I've been practically a, a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been doing some virtual medicine as a side gig. So we're going to talk a little bit about side gigs in general. And I, I actually had a good story to lead us into this. Okay, let's hear it. Inadvertently discovered this story. So a few months ago, this is getting into the fall. My brother-in-law messaged me like, it's time to change winter tires. And I'm like, oh, man, I hate doing this. And for people who live in this part of the world, winter tires is like a thing, you know, and, yeah. and it wasn't so much a thing when I was growing up because my dad, you know, as as safety conscious as he was, he was never a big spender. So the idea that you would change your tires just for winter was lost on him. Yeah. As soon as they invented all season tires, he just became a four season guy, like wearing, driving the same lousy tread the whole year. Right. And so I kind of grew up like, you know, driving his Camry and his Nissan Sentra, slipping and sliding around thinking that this is how people drive in a winter. And at some point I got my drivers, I, I got my own car and I started reading about how oh, winter tires are the way to go. So if you switch to winter tires, you get way better grip and control as you brake. Oh, absolutely. And all this stuff. Right. Much safer. I was like, Dad, how come you never went for that? So I was like, oh, whatever. And then, and then pretty soon after that, he, he was demented and there was no point talking to him about tires. But after a while, so it became a thing where every year I got to get my winter tires out and load them into the car, bring them to a store to get it changed. Yeah. And vice versa. And this is a really annoying process. You know, if anyone who's ever had to do this, there's no good solution for it, right? Like, A, it means you have to have a separate set of tires. And it yeah. usually means to make life easier for you, that separate set of tires has its own rims. Which are heavy. So this thing is heavy. Yes, it's right? heavy. Yeah, it's, it's this huge thing, and you have to store it somewhere year-round. Yes. Right? 
and you know we're lucky enough to have a house but even in our house like where am i going to put this thing right so i have tried putting it in the furnace room i've tried putting it under the stairs in which case i didn't have to lug it out of the yeah. basement which is like a huge ordeal uh, kudos and- to you for even thinking <laughs> of trying to store it somewhere where you had to go bring it up and down stairs <laughs> well that was in the olden days that was that was the younger dr dave the muscle guy who used to work out all the time all right a few years ago i was like i can't lift this up and down the stairs anymore Before so you're, then you're i going I up and ch- down the stairs just for exercise holding the holding those tires <laughs> I changed my plan to around the time my dad couldn't drive anymore and my mom's garage got empty. There was no car. We just start, everyone started storing their tires in my mom's garage. Like I store my tires, my brother-in-law stores his tires, my mother-in-law's tires are there, everyone's tires are there. Anyway, at some point everyone's storing their tires in my mom's garage. But it's still an ordeal. Like yeah. just having the tires stored and I still have to drive the car over to my mom's house, put the tires in the car, drive the car to a tire shop or a tire guy or something. Yeah to get it switched and then and then you have to do this three times or two times or like do it for my car my wife's car my mother-in-law's car and then you have to do this twice a year right so it's like as soon as you feel comfortable driving oh it's time to switch the tires again right it's a huge headache on top of all the other car stuff you need to do and sometimes sometimes you're lucky it's like your tire change happens around the same time that your oil light goes on so you can do two for one yes but really it's just another one of these real pain in the butt things that come with car ownership and well, hey, you wish you didn't have to deal with. How often does this happen to you? You you put you put it off, you meant to do it, you don't get to it. So then by the time it's time to do it, now it's so late in the season. Uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm thinking more when you t- when it's time to take off the winter tires, right? And it, and you're going to right. summer. It's, it's so late in the season that you're like, ah, should I just leave them? Leave them for like <laughs> another month and then I'll be be winter again anyway. <laughs> has happened i think it during covid that definitely happened because we're like we're not even driving that much maybe we'll just go winter tires all year at that point (laughs) but it's just a huge hassle i hate it anyways last year or a couple years ago we started to try to find these alternative solutions for this right i found a store called tire butler right so yeah tire butler drives a van up to your house and switches your tires for you on your driveway while you sit inside recording your podcast (laughs) right good work alfred (laughs) which sounds great except next year when you take your car to a shop they look at your tires and they're like you know there's a there's an arrow on your tire saying that your tire is supposed to go the unidirectional (laughs) it's supposed to go forward they put it on the other way i've been driving my tires backwards for a season i'm like no wonder i had no control all winter (laughs) so like I, i i i guess i've been driving in reverse all winter uh, yeah, no, this actually happened, right? This actually happened. Tire Butler, which is, I think, the name of the store, should really be renamed Tire Butt, right? <laughs> tire Butt. And, and it's like, it's, and, and, and the thing is, I didn't, they didn't actually tell me this. Yeah. I only noticed it at the end of the year when they took the tires off. And you know how they label the tires with like the markings to say this was the right front tire, the left front? Yeah. And there's a system of like how the tires should be rotated. Right. And as I looked, I'm like, the system's all screwed up. It must be because I did, I did the calculation backwards in my head. I'm like, tire butt really screwed me over, <laughs> right? Because otherwise these labels don't make any sense anymore. So I didn't so even anyways, know that, that was That possible. was one example. I, I didn't know and that I you don't, could I, put tires on backwards. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> like, So were you finding over the course of that time that 
like the smoothest part of your drive was when you reversed out of your driveway. Like that part was always like, I've never reversed so smoothly before. And then the rest of the drive was all choppy. Well, it's not a measure. measure it's not smoothness is not the issue. It's more braking distance, <laughs> right? And stuff like that. So it was a winter where my wife and I kept complaining that the tires didn't seem to be working well, but we never really knew the reason. Yeah. But again, that's also subjective. It's like one of those things when you look back on it, you're like, oh yeah, me, I guess like, you know, I was getting all these weird looks. Must have been because of the way my hair looked that day. But you don't really know what the reason was. You needed it next right? time. You need to hire Tire Nanny to watch the tires <laughs> while Tire Butler fiddles around with them. <laughs> so anyways, because of this, last year, my brother-in-law, he found a guy, right? He found, he found a guy and he was like, my mom found a guy. They're going to come to our house and swap all the tires on site, right? And I was like, okay, that's that's not a bad idea because then I can just drive, my wife can drive her car, I can drive my car, we drive it over to my brother-in-law's place and they're going to swap all the tires. It saves us at least the part of having to go to an actual auto shop yes. and sit in this dank, nasty auto shop for like two hours with strangers flipping through magazines while they're waiting for your tires to get changed. Like it's always an ordeal. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Right. So we did it and these guys change the tires and so it's it's like a crew of like two or three people they come by your house with with uh some jacks uh, you know they got all the equipment they can change the tires but it wasn't it wasn't like a full-on business the way tire butler was like tire butler was like an actual website yeah and expensive like tire butler was like, getting on like 150 to 200 dollars a car this was like 40 to 5 dollars a car yeah. or something right so I didn't think about it too much, but it had side gig written all over it, right? <laughs> so change the tires, all my tires last year was good, I had no problems. And then this this fall, you know, same dudes are around. They said if we're interested. So we did the same thing. We bring my tires over. We bring my car over to my brother-in-law's place. The guy finishes changing it. He's like, you know, your brakes are uh, really close to being done. They're like threadbare. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. My regular car dude told me this. I, yeah. I know I'm up for a brake change soon. Yeah. He's like, you know, I could do it for you. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, I can drive over to your house. I can do it on your driveway. And uh, 300 bucks. He's, I'm like, and I'm trying to look like I know what I'm talking right. about, as if I know the prices of car repairs off the top of my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, 300, that sounds okay. But in my mind, I'm thinking, Okay, well, the guy's gonna do it while I'm at my house. I don't. It's another trip to the auto shop. Save. I'm like, that's great. Like, I hate going to the auto shop. It doesn't sound like you're right? much of a negotiator. <laughs> Wouldn't your first instinct should have been to say three hundred dollars? Come on now, hundred and fifty. Well, well, you know, you know that you and I are both physicians. We come from a we come from a group of people that's widely renowned for our negotiation skills when it comes to business, yeah. right? That's why we always tell people that we're a physician as we begin any negotiation. <laughs> we're, we're known for that, right? <laughs> so anyways, guy comes over and changes the car tires, uh, changes the brakes, yeah. no problems, he leaves. Next day, I'm driving the car, I'm driving, driving to work, driving to drop the kids at school. Everything's going great. Yeah. You know, I, I make it to the tennis club, right? This is my morning tennis game for the week. And as I'm leaving the tennis club, my partner starts like waving at me frantically from the other end of the parking lot, right? Like, he's like, stop the car, stop the car. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, do you hear that sound? And I don't know how I hadn't heard the sound. <laughs> but now that he pointed it out, 
I guess maybe because my windows were rolled up and I had a podcast on. But when I turn all that stuff off, open the window, as the car is going, now I hear this like shearing metal grating on metal sounds. Like, <laughs> right? it's, except it's more high pitched. I can't really do that sound with my voice. Like, it's <laughs> like, like that kind of sound. You sure the sound wasn't, ah, you're running over me. <laughs> Why are so then, work? so then like the whole day I'm like drive. I have to continue my day. I, I can't stop the day just because the car is screaming bloody murder. Yeah. because I have so much stuff to do. So on my way over to the office, I'm listening for the sound and the sound isn't always there, but it comes and goes, okay. right? It's like this metal on metal thing. Sounds like the sound of a oh guy with God. no brake pads. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is ridiculous. So I, I called the guy. He's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll come and take a look at it on the weekend. He's like, it should be okay to drive. And and then I, I verified it with my tennis partner who who's like, yeah, yeah, it should be okay to drive. So I f- felt confident that I'm not, I'm not destroying the car to death. <laughs> Does your tennis so then, partner have a side gig also doing breaks? Like this guy's the he's authority. A, he's a man of many talents. Okay. Man of many talents. So then we we wait till the weekend. The guy comes, changes it. So then basically what happened is he shows it to me, and it's like I'm not a car expert. But basically with brake pads, when you change your brakes, there's this little metal metal wire part okay. that you can hook on to the brake pad, and these repair guys realize that this wire wasn't fitting well. Okay. And so it was rubbing and that was the thing causing the sound. Okay. So they took the wire and they just threw it out. They said, you don't need this anyway. <laughs> and then they fixed it. They let me test drive it. And you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, it doesn't make any more sound. They're like, you should be good to go. Right. And I'm like feeling kind of queasy about this. Oh, yeah. Like I, that, so I kept, I kept a little wire. It's like, it's about four or five inches long, okay. kind of crooked. And it's, this is a wire that connects to your this. emergency brake, isn't it? <laughs> so then I, I, so then I, a few days ago or a few, a week or two ago, I actually had to go for the actual oil service okay. at this point. So I go to the oil service and then I have this regular car guy and kind of know him over the, over the years, right? He's, he does everything for my car. Gradually, I've just stopped bothering going to the dealership. I take my car, my wife's car, you know, anyone that asks, I take my, their car to this guy. Yeah. So we kind of know him on a first name basis. Right. And, and for sure he's at some point figured out I'm a physician. So the prices are exorbitant, but the stuff gets done. Right. And yeah. I'm like, whatever, let's just get it done. It's still cheaper than the dealer at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, I, I had to break. The, he's like, uh, so uh, you got your brakes changed. Like, I was hoping he wouldn't notice, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, my brother, my brother-in-law's friend. He offered to change it, right? I was like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, if let's say like you, your your girlfriend finds out that, you know, your ex-girlfriend finds out that you're seeing somebody else. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, so It was nothing. It was just, just a one-night thing. It was, it was nothing, right? <laughs> Why would you care if your ex-girlfriend found out that you're I, seeing <laughs> Okay, how analogy. would we actually... <laughs> okay, the analogy is not working. It's more like the example of... If your current girlfriend finds out that another girl is doing something for you. I had a, a, a girl from school yeah, came yeah, over to study with me. Uh, but there's it, it nothing happened. It was just a one study thing. It's not a date. It doesn't yeah, really that's 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 exactly the example, yeah. right? Except you kind of except you're actually going back to your old girlfriend in this scene, right? <laughs> you still need your old girlfriend to fix your car going forward. Yeah, this is right. Still your you current just kind of right, right. You just got to kind of explain that you know it was just a temporary lapse of judgment, <laughs> right? Didn't mean anything, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like. And then I had a sort of spin. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was my brother-in-law's friend. I mean, he's not even his friend, but it sounded better to make it seem like a friendly thing rather than like a true business dealing, right? 
So it's not like a real prostitution situation. It was just like a friendly like shopping experience or something. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even pay the guy. <laughs> so th so then the, 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 my actual mechanic looks at me and says, yeah, basically that wire helps keep the brake lined up. It'll be okay for now, but at some point you're going to hear like a different kind of sound, which at that point you're going to have to get your brakes done. I'm like, I'm just thinking like, fine, I'll do it. Whatever, whatever yeah. you say, yeah. right? Just got to get back in your good graces, <laughs> right? And then he turns to me, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I used to do this kind of stuff too, you know, when I was younger. You know, we call it side gigs. <laughs> like, oh yeah, side gigs. He's like, yeah, but problem with mechanic side gig is they think they can fix your car lying on their back underneath on your driveway. Yeah. But in fact, if you can actually get the car up on a rack and look at it in more detail, you can get a lot more things done better. Right. I see and that. so I was like, okay, fine. I find no more car side gig things. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? Just pay the money. Just go to the car shop. Like this whole episode was designed for me to save a few, maybe an hour or two, you know, of going to the auto shop, maybe save, not even necessarily save me much money. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it cost me way more time and money, not to mention the humiliation of having to go back, <laughs> right, to your regular car guy and admit that you were having a car affair with somebody <laughs> That's else. That's right. <laughs> well, it's going to take a long time to build back that trust. <laughs> well, that, we'll see, we'll see. But... Anyways, that's what got me on this topic of side gigs. It seems like everybody out there is trying to make a hustle, right? You're either hustling or you're being hustled. It's yes. one or the other. I mean, things start to sound suspicious when they're like, oh, yeah, cars are designed with this redundant piece of wire. That's not necessary. <laughs> you can just throw it away. It's just yeah, a, a I, universal manufacturing flaw that the entire auto industry is, is in on. That They all put this extra piece of wire that's not needed. Well, there's this whole business with cars about like, are you getting the original manufacturer parts? Are you getting the knockoff parts? Yeah. Sometimes those things don't fit well together. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess how you should watch out in a couple of years. There's going to be a, uh, a website advertising break, break butler. It's going to be this guy. <laughs> this model, I don't the know. wire, I don't break know. butler, the wire remover. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. There you go. So now, Back to our original thing. Yeah. Dr. Harmon has been doing his own side gig for the last, what's it been, two years during the pandemic? It feels that long, but I guess it's started last August. Not this August past, but the August before. And we're in, uh, we're just hitting December now. So. so a little bit over a year. Yeah, a little bit over a year. So for, for people who aren't aware, Dr. Harmon was a physician on Kids Care or Kicks yeah, Care? Kicks, kicks Care. I don't yeah. know what uh, what team of psychologists they got together to come up with the idea that if you call it kicks care with an X, that will somehow, uh, <laughs> I don't know, stick in people's mind better or denote that the care is it better. It certainly didn't stick in my mind. But in any case, basically, he's been working as a virtual emergency physician, right? So like an urgent care kind of physician. Yeah. People call in, book appointments, and then at the scheduled time, they do the equivalent of a Zoom meeting where he interviews them. And it's kind of an extension of this virtual medicine that we've been seeing in all healthcare the last couple of years during the pandemic. Yeah. But, and this but is with a true side version gig. of it's it. It's a true side gig in the context that, or the concept that I had my regular job in the emergency department at CHEO and I didn't take any reduction in hours for that. I was just doing all this right. on my, you know, when I had free right. time. 
Now, now, so this gets us into the question of why does Dr. Harmon need such a side gig? Because a lot of times people do a side gig because, A, they find their regular gig not that fulfilling, right? So they're like, you know what, I'm going to do something different, you know, which is why we ended up doing a podcast, right? But at, other, but at the same time, a true side gig needs to pay some money, right? Otherwise, it's just a hobby, right? <laughs> so Dr. Harmon decides that he's going to go on a second side gig hunt and then ends up doing this thing. And for altruistic reasons, clearly, right? Because he doesn't see enough medicine patients on a regular basis. Yes, I've I've become accustomed to a to a certain lifestyle. <laughs> I need more Faberge eggs. <laughs> I need a hustle to go to keep that that coming. It's actually this actually is a bit of an interesting uh, like platform for for discussion or an interesting sort of starting point for discussion on. For just anyone listening who would think about, well, what's the benefit of doing a side gig? Uh, there are a few different reasons or benefits to uh, to having some kind of a side gig. Uh, <laughs> and it's not necessarily that you have – if you're completely dissatisfied with your job or you're like, I want to quit my job, then you probably don't want a side gig. You probably just want a whole new primary gig. You just right. switch gigs. Uh, but, you know, working in the hospital, I, I remember there was another guy who I worked with who he works – uh, part-time at Chio where I'm working and then he works part-time at one of the adult hospitals in the city because he's uh, he's an, uh, one of these guys who trained as an adult uh, emergency physician uh, and started doing pediatrics way back before that was its own subspecialty so he's kind of grandfathered in anyway all that to say uh, he was telling me once about how he, you know working at two different places I was asking him how you know how he likes that you know, is it a hassle to have to to split everything between two places and your time and your and, you know, you have to do things one way here and another way there. And he was saying, the thing is, when you work in a hospital, at various points, there'll be times when things are great at one job, uh, where just uh, the way the management is going is great, the way some new policy and stuff is going is great. And there's going to be times when, when things are not great. There's going to be times when, oh, you know what, the mood around here lately has been bad. They're introducing some new policy that's onerous. Uh, uh, something's happening with the way the, 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 the fees are going or payments going, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And he's saying, you know, when you have two things going, then often when things are down at one place, they're up at the other place. And I, I found that to be true, actually, with the with the with doing the kicks care uh, mm. during the during the crunch of covid where patients were actually coming back to the hospital because at the beginning. People weren't coming to the hospital. They were afraid to. Right? People wouldn't come right. to the emergency department. They thought they'd catch COVID and die. So for a while, the volumes there were, were pretty low. And, when we, and I had a virtual clinic going through Chio, through the hospital, was running a virtual clinic at that time. Um, uh, but at that time, it was like, oh, this virtual clinic, does it really feel like it's that necessary that patients could be coming to the hospital and there's capacity to see them? But, uh, but I'm seeing in this virtual platform, and it's a lot of these patients who I'm just telling them that's not appropriate for virtually should come to the hospital. Uh, but then when things flipped and all of a sudden patients were coming back to the hospital in droves and the, and the hospital was overwhelmed, uh, I had my job at Chio where I would go in and I'd see somebody who's been waiting eight hours, 12 hours for a problem that they, that they didn't need to be in the emergency department for. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing them after eight hours explaining to them to how this is a viral illness it's just a cold. Here's how that works. And people are, a lot of them are angry. They're not happy after 12 hours to be told that this is a viral illness because they've invested so much <laughs> in waiting that that conversation mm-hmm. was not satisfactory. And then I would see these same patients on the Kickscare platform and uh, they only had, they, they waited maybe 15 minutes to see me. Like they had the idea of, oh, I want to book an appointment, see a doctor 
for this for these symptoms. They go on Kickscare, they see me, and uh, I'm telling them, yeah, you know, I I saw the exact same complaint in the hospital, you know, like yesterday, um, and I'm going to tell you what I told them. This is this is a viral illness, and people are happy and thanking me and grateful uh, for this information. That that's mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing that I told somebody else the day before, and that person was not happy to hear it, but because people didn't have to invest as much to, to you know, go on the virtual platform. It's extremely easy to do at the time. It's extremely easy to do. They didn't have to travel. They had no wait time. They didn't have to miss work or whatever. Uh, right. They were happy. And so that was one thing that it wasn't that I uh, uh, was trying to leave my day job, but it was nice to have like, some of the problems with the day job were not the problems I was having with the, uh, with the side gig. So that was uh, mm. that was one aspect I'd say of, of why one, you might want to have a side gig is because it can help you on the days when your main job is not going well. Uh, now, now your main job is a full time job, right? It's at least forty hours a week of commitment to your regular duties, right? Like he's Dr. Harmon is working in the emergency room and has like an academic position, you know, in the admin of his department. Like he's a busy guy. So how does he have time for another thing on top of that and medical dads? <laughs> that's right. And, pod, and podcast. That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was the thing with this is that it, uh, the way my job works at, at, at Chio, uh, I, I can't be shortchanging them or not putting in my all at that job with the explanation that, oh, it's because I have another job. But there's actually a limit on how much, how much uh, right. income you can have coming separate from your, from your main job because they don't want you to be you know, using company right. time. So this had to be done on what was my free time. Uh, and so that was... <laughs> you can shortchange your kids. That's who gets shortchanged and your wife. <laughs> well, it was very much a thing when this started of, uh, all right, uh, how, much will this, uh, how much will this extra income benefit us? Is it worth it? Because it is going to be something where uh, you're going to have times where like, uh, I can't do this because I'm, <laughs> I'm at the virtual job. And the good thing for me is that my kids are old enough that I could be doing this while my wife is out of the house. So like mm. she had her nights when it was uh, volleyball. Those would be the nights that I would try to set up a, a kick's care shift. Or <laughs> if I had a weekend off, I would do, you know, five hours from three till eight. I would do mm-hmm. the kick's care then. And it was great because you know, we still, I still had pretty much the day with the kids. And then by the time kick's care was finished, I was still there to help put them to, put them to bed, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was still a lot of work. You know, you had to... Yeah, so had sacrifices had to be made because it's it's time, and but it yes. wasn't it wasn't volunteer hence work. Our, so. Hence our irregular production schedule <laughs> the last few weeks. That's right, <laughs> that's right. That might have uh, cut into a bit of our, uh, our uh, but, podcast. But that is life. That's the life of the hustle, right? You got to juggle all these things while being a parent on top of it all. Yeah, but so, so respect to you. The other thing I would say, just in this idea of. You know, what did I learn about side gigs and, and why you might want to do a side gig? So what, that's one of them I talked about was how uh, it could actually make your other job easier or better when you have mm-hmm. some relief of doing something else that's rewarding in ways your main job isn't. The uh, other thing is, like, I'm not a general pediatrician. Uh, I mean, I, I'm qualified as one because I did general pediatrics and then I did emergency medicine. But I'm very disconnected from general pediatrics because I've been in the emergency department for uh, however many, like more than a dozen years now. Um, and so doing this kicks care thing where I knew I'd be seeing a lot of problems that are more primary care problems that I'm not used to dealing with. 
uh, was mm. a bit of a uh, like intimidating and a bit of a challenge. I knew that I would have to like, get up to snuff and, and read a bit more. Uh, but anyway, I jumped in and did it. And yeah, my comfort for, for example, uh, starting somebody on medication for, uh, for ADHD, you know, that was something that my emergency department job, people would come in, they would ask about that. And I'd say, uh, we don't handle that in the emergency department. So I'd go back to your private right. provider. Whereas now <laughs> I actually have some level of comfort that I could, I could actually help patients in the emergency department in a way that I couldn't. I'm not, mm. don't take this as a, as a call for people to come to the emergency department with their ADHD problems, because <laughs> that really still isn't the right venue. But uh, you know, it's going to happen. And now when it does, I'm a bit prepared for it. It also gives me a bit of a, more options for the future. And right? I'm not looking to quit my job right now at Chio, But if in the future I, I do decide that this isn't working out or something goes wrong at the hospital and I don't want to work there anymore, I do have the option now to – I have more – insight into what it would look like to open up a general practice. If I decide to open up my own office, what I learned doing this virtual stuff would make me more comfortable to do general pediatrics mm -hmm. in the community. So that's another right. another plug for why you might do a, a sidekick, a side gig. And then, and then the third right. thing is, of course, you, you get paid as well. <laughs> Although really at the end of it, that's probably the least of all the things. You know, you by the time you count how much work time you're putting into it, how much work this is, the money is probably the least of the benefits, ultimately. Yeah, no, people don't usually do a side gig uh, just because they need the money. I mean, sure, there's yeah. probably those like single parents with like, you know, mouths to feed who are working two jobs back to back and moonlighting and stuff. Those I wouldn't really even call side gigs, right? Yeah. These are just people working hard at two jobs. That's right. right. Side gigs are really more like one, you're a little bit unhappy, you're trying something new, you know, take the plunge. It's a little bit of a different mindset. Yeah, I think the side gig comes with that sort of thought of, you know, if this, if, if, if this works out, if this really takes off, then who knows, right? Then maybe this will be my main thing. Mm -hmm. um, although, in case anybody's worried that I'm going to leave my job in the emergency department to do uh, a kicks care, that, that, that's not going to happen. I, I mean, that's not even possible right now because... The Kicks here doesn't exist anymore, uh, although Kicks 360 is what it has evolved into. Right, right. So in case the audience is getting confused, so in, in Ontario, recent, as of December 1st, virtual medicine is being uh, overhauled. Right. right. So during the pandemic, the government kind of allowed everyone, all doctors, to bill freely using virtual codes. So you could bill virtual visits like on the phone or online, almost as if they were in person. and. Yeah. They've decided as of December 1st that we've reached a stage of the pandemic where that level of freedom is no longer necessary. So they're cracking heads <laughs> yeah, I, and sending people back to in-person, in-office visits, which I think is not a bad thing because many of my patients have come to see me and said, you know, my friend's doctor hasn't seen them in three years, yeah. right? There's all these doctors hiding, right? Yeah. So it's time for these guys to come out of their holes and get back to work, okay? <laughs> the back into the light. Yeah, when... when, <laughs> when, when, when the pandemic had first started. Uh, doctors were just flat out having to close their offices down. One, because the, the rules on running a business said that they couldn't have patients in there. But two, uh, a lot of doctors at the beginning, when people were most afraid, were just flat out scared to, to, to see anybody. As much as patients were Hey, I was were afraid. afraid. I was afraid. I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> yeah. but, so what the but, government did is the government was like, well, uh, please, it, it, will you see them virtually? Right? Like they, mm -hmm. they, 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 had to con they thought they had to convince doctors to see patients virtually. So they said, you know, uh, you know what, see somebody over the phone or, or, or virtually and we'll pay you the same as if you saw them in person. So that's how that started. Right. Um, right. And I think right. quickly the and government And then those same, those same very frightened people said, hey, 
I can make as much money or more not seeing patients now in person, just doing phone calls. Yeah. Great. Without even putting on like my work pants, right? <laughs> With a shirt and pajama bottoms, I could be uh, making the same amount of money. Yeah. yeah. But So sometimes at some point, the golden spigot has to be closed. And that is now. That's right. <laughs> so Dr. Harmon's side gig has officially ended as a result of this. It is a shame from the point of view that... Uh, and you, you've anyone who's been hearing, like following this stuff in the news, might have heard some of the advocacy about uh, the one of the things that started to happen with something like Kickscare was that it actually became the primary source for a lot of patients who had no primary care provider. So mm-hmm. there were people who it's, it wasn't such on a matter that their doctor wouldn't see them; it's that they just simply had no doctor. Uh, and then right. there were also those patients who. Uh, their doctor just wouldn't see them, and they and so they turned to Kickscare. And then there were those right. patients who they saw their doctor, and their doctor still said, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm gonna. I, I suggest you try Kickscare." <laughs> uh, so there were a lot of people who were being helped by it, who unfortunately now are not going to be helped by it. But uh, my hope then, at least, would be that if the government has taken that away, that they do have some good idea of what they're going to do for those for those patients. <laughs> Well, it's not as if we're having like a massive shortage of physicians right now. Oh, wait, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's probably a sad reality that some of those people are just uh, up the creek. Although uh, this thing, Kickscare, they've renamed it Kicks360, and the company is going on with some other thing where you would pay a subscription. It's like a, it's like a healthcare Netflix now. Right. I think you pay something like $29 or $30 a month or something like this, and then you... um, you see a nurse practitioner, uh, and the, the billing and the rules around them are really different, so they can do virtual care to their to their heart's content. But uh, uh, whereas I couldn't charge you privately to do virtual care and then also still have a job in the public system, they, they can. So, now, yeah. Now, I have a question for you. When you were working in Kickscare, I guess because of the nature of it, were you free to talk about this at work with like your doctor colleagues? Like, oh, I have this side gig going on. Oh, I can't come in that day. I'm doing a shift online. Well, or was this something that kind of had to be hush hush? Uh, I could talk about it. There was no thing to say. I couldn't say that I was doing uh, Kickscare, mm-hmm. but uh, it would not be a good idea with any side gig to go in and start telling people, ah, oh, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't help out today i can't show up for a shift because i i'm, I'm prioritizing my side gig like I, I wasn't really allowed to do that uh, i mean i wasn't not uh, not only would it be a bad idea to say it but i also i couldn't actually do that i couldn't like for example book some time off so that i could actually work another job um and th- that was now, a problem for some people doing some side gigs during COVID. like uh, do you think do you think it changes like if you were the employer and you knew that your employees have these side gigs on the go. Let's say you're you're the auto shop dude, yeah. and then you realize your employees are driving around doing tire changes on the weekends yeah. for cheap. Does this make you wonder? Does this make you question their loyalties at all? Uh, you know, I think as an employer, if you realize that your that your employees are all looking for side gigs, then you should be realizing that. Then that means that they might not stay working for me forever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, that's. I think employers should always be not assuming that their employees will stay with them and should always be looking to see, okay, if I, if I want to retain these people, what do I need to do to retain them? And if I don't care Absolutely. about retaining them, then how am I going to replace them? <laughs> Any <laughs> employer who's not thinking that way is, uh, is uh, probably not a very wise employer. Absolutely. But there's that other aspect, though, of uh, do you need to worry if you're an employer? If your employees have side gigs, are they actually bringing their A game to work? Right. Like, well, that's, that's sometimes I wonder about that as a physician, mm-hmm. right? Because 
clearly, you know, I've got these podcasts on the go. I'm reluctant a lot of times to mention this to patients that, oh, yeah, I'm also recording these shows. I have this idea that my patients would prefer that I'm sitting in the office at all times. And that if anything I did on the side, like, oh, I saw you at the tennis club, you playing tennis on a weekday. (laughs) Right. And it's like, like one day I recently I had this thing with a patient not a thing i just had a conversation with a patient because she was looking at my online booking schedule and i guess if you look at it really carefully you can start to figure out that i'm not working you know 85 hours a week (laughs) she's like are you working in another office i'm like no no i don't work another but but she's like there's a lot of days you're not here i'm like yeah because i have a family i have kids (laughs) i want to spend time with them my parents are getting older right i had to to say that i didn't want to say that i have a podcast (laughs) on top of all that stuff because it seemed kind of fickle but at the same time i'm like I feel like our patients expect us to be there all the time. And so for you to say I'm doing virtual care, that's that's fine because you're still doing care. Yeah. But what if you were saying, you know, I'm working on my surfing game or something like I'm a, I'm a professional poker player yeah. in the background. That doesn't sound as good. And, and, and that is something that I struggle with sometimes, especially when it comes to the podcast. Well, you know, for me at work, when you go for apply for jobs or promotions or stuff like that and have to get interviewed, Often they want to know, uh, you know, what do you do to maintain work-life balance? Uh, it's like when you're when, when you're being interviewed, uh, people want to hear that you have some kind of hobby or activity that you do on the side. And yet, when you're actually working, people don't want to hear about you <laughs> spending a lot of time on your hobbies when you should be at work. I, I am a robot. I only work every day. I have no other hobbies on the side. But often, you know, as a dad, when people ask you, well, yeah, so what are your hobbies? What do you do? It's actually really hard, right, to actually come up with something that sounds meaningful. Uh, so I, I've seen it in interview settings where I'm interviewing the person where saying, you know, what, describe your work-life balance or what do you do for fun? And, uh, and you know, honestly, when you're a parent, if you have free time, it's usually dedicated to something related to the family, right? So you know, what do I do for fun? Well, I, you know, I make Lego with my kids. I, I really love it. It's what <laughs> relieves my stress. I, I chauffeur. You know, I drive people to places where they need to go, That's right? right? <laughs> but when you start talking like that, people think that you don't have a, a handle on work-life balance. Uh, but being able to say to people in that context that, well, you know, actually, I, I do uh, have a podcast. That's what I do for fun. Uh, and you can... You can listen to the podcast and you'll know for sure that I don't get paid to do it. So uh, it's, it's realistic when I say that that's what I do for fun. So in that sense, I, I talk about the podcast. But if you go on and on and on about it or any other thing that you're doing, then naturally, well, what happens is people start to scrutinize your work more to see. Right? I think as an employer, realistically, what you should be looking at is um, don't, uh, don't, don't try to measure what your employees are doing outside of the job. But have a good measure of are they meeting the objectives of what you want to do want them to be doing on the job, right? If somebody is not meeting the, like if someone's not getting their work done or not getting their work done well, then you can actually have a conversation with them about hey, we see that you're not doing your work up to our standards. What's uh, what are some of the reasons why that might be? But uh, but uh, trying to like limit what they do on the side is uh, it's just not possible. And I, I say this from experience. <laughs> Well, I think I think more to the point is people should be chasing their passions, whatever it is, yeah. right? And for some people, it's to make a little bit more money on the side at that point in their life, yeah. right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I I think we should try to encourage people 
in- encourage people's entrepreneurial spirit, encourage people to chase the dream, whatever it is. If it's if it's a sport, if it's an artistic endeavor, if it's spending more time with your children, if it is, you know, have building your own business, you know, like that's fine. Those things are great. Most of us, you've said it before on the show, is that no matter how interesting your job is, after the hundredth day, it is just a job, right? right? It looks interesting to people who've never seen it before. You try doing this every day of the year, it is a slog fest. And you're in it for 20 or 30 years, What's wrong with having something else to do during that time to shake things up, right? Give you a little bit of balance. I'm, I'm all for side gigs, except when it comes to a guy trying to change my brakes on my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to have a side gig. It's, it's a whole other thing to hire someone doing a side gig. But, you know, this all this came up at my at, at Geo, at my hospital, in my department of pediatrics. Um, they actually had to formally decide on rules about how much money people could make outside of uh, outside of work see see that seems a little bit authoritarian i feel like that is a little bit you know you're not going to say it. i'm going to say it on behalf of me all right that that seems a little bit wrong well it uh i mean you can imagine we're a big group right there's a lot of different physicians working and a lot of different they're all doing different mm-hmm. types of things and have different types of practices within the hospital so it came all kinds of controversy came out from this and it was interesting because i got to hear different points of view and uh there is some validity on all like angles at which people are looking at the issue you know on on the one hand well you start to open up this thing of so you're saying i can't uh i I might be a person with no kids and i can't have a, a, a you know spend six hours a week you know doing investment trading where i'm making a lot of money but somebody else they're not making any money on the side, but they got five kids, and you're t- and and that's okay. Because <laughs> the hospital's point of view, or the, the department's point of view, is um, we don't want you to. If you're making too much money on the side, then it must mean that you're not giving us all. You're all at work. Right? I guess in that conversation, you were the example of the person with the multiple kids, <laughs> but no money. <laughs> I, I think at the end, I was the guy with the side gig and the kids. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me how you could regulate this effectively in a way that, especially we're talking about physicians who are already, for the most part, working hard at their job to limit their ability of what they can do in their free time seems a little bit excessive. Yeah. Uh, That's all I'm saying. uh, On the flip side, you know, because I was saying I I appreciate multiple points of view on this. uh, There is a sort of reality that if somebody's doing one job and they're trying to make money or hustle on another job on the side, uh, it doesn't take much for people to actually start to sacrifice their primary job for their secondary mm-hmm. job to some degree where people are not mm-hmm. given that 100% on their on their day job. Yeah, but I mean, that's such an arbitrary thing. It's like, well, you're in a bad marriage, right? You're arguing with your wife all the time. That's going to take a toll on your work and we don't say anything about that. Like, why don't we do like, you know, a happiness index of your married life before we hire you and then verify that happiness every six months while you're working, right? Like, if there weren't laws to prevent it, actually, I, that might be a thing. <laughs> but I think one of the things at, uh, at my job in particular is that, you know, we have clinical time where we do shifts. And then if you have academic pursuits like research, then you're giving protected time for the research. And I think that's mm-hmm. where there's this thing of like, you know, it's hard to measure what you're doing with that free time. And mm-hmm. so they start to get worried that if you're doing some other side gig, then you're using the time we gave you that you're supposed to be doing research for that. But it's like you say, it's impossible to measure that. It's very hard. All you can do is set out requirements of this is the job we're giving you to do and this is how much time we gave you to do it. And as long as you're getting it done, what we said you had to do, then I guess we can't really police what, you're, what else you're doing. 
Hey, because I do. For all those people out there who are struggling to balance this stuff, my partner over here is doing the podcast. He's got four children. He's in a happy marriage. He did a side gig as a doctor on top of his regular job as a doctor. All right. It can be done. Look at how happy the man looks. I, you can't see it. He looks so happy right now. I'm just thinking that my, my final piece of advice in this scenario would be uh, think of your happy marriage as your primary gig. That's your main job. Everything else is a side gig. <laughs> well said. Well said. All right, folks. Continue hunting down that side gig. Keep chasing that dream. And just bring your tires to your regular mechanic every six months. Words to live by. See you next week, folks. All right. Have a good week.